Coming up on the weekly wrap, Perth Glory's COVID calamity, football fans to the rescue for Christmas, and MacArthur FC against Western United in a final? Could it be possible? All that and more coming up on the weekly wrap, all presented by the Far Post Perth podcast. Yeah, it is that time of the week. It's the weekly wrap, all presented by the Far Post Perth podcast. Great to have you on board with us. Coming uh, to a bit of the festive season. I think many of you are probably already on holidays, so a bit of holiday listening for you as we try to navigate this uh, tricky little period, particularly for Perth glory. Blaine Treadgold with you, next to me, the man that's been joining us most weeks, Mr. Tommy Dolman. G'day, mate. Season's greetings, Blaine. How's things? I am very, very good. Um, Albeit not too sure how this... uh, Whole saga is going to play out for the Perth Glory at the moment. Yeah, it's a um, certainly a, a tricky situation, isn't it? It's um, obviously the, the, the situation is an evolving one. So by the time you've listened to this podcast at home, it's probably changed once again. But obviously, we can only pass on our best wishes to the players and the staff and hope that a resolution, one way or another, is is found as soon as possible. It's probably good just to say to give people a little bit of perspective. It's five o'clock on Tuesday afternoon. So, um, as I said, this uh, information that we've got and that is current at this time may not be current by the time you listen to this. So don't stress and make sure you go through the relevant social media channels. Um, we're trying to look after this as much as we can and give the fans out there as much information as we can. So don't forget, you can check us all out on social media. The Far Post Perth is a way to go about that on Twitter and Facebook. Um, also, um, a big shout out to James Keane and Paul McNeela, who have uh, jumped on as patrons and giving us plenty of support, Tommy, which is really important when we've got a little startup like we do, and it helps just to pay a few little bills and help uh, help us uh, keep ticking over. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, boys, and I hope your Christmas and your New Year's a, uh, a fulfilling one. Absolutely. If you want to jump on to that, patreon.com forward slash Far Post Perth is the way way to go about that. Uh, Plenty happening. Let's have a bit of a talk, and we have to kind of rewind a little bit, Tommy, to work out this situation. We discovered last week that there was a player who, um, for privacy purposes, I guess, and um, it has gone out, but we're not going to name names at at this point in time, that there is a player in the Perth Glory setup that did um, test positive to covid at this point in time, um, there has been no one else test positive to COVID. As I said, this is a fluid situation at four minutes past five on Tuesday uh, evening. Uh, that's the way it stays. And there is some uh, works in progress to try and work out what's happening. The guys are currently in quarantine up there in Brisbane. Hotel quarantine, quite isolating, quite a difficult situation. How are you seeing it all play out, mate? Um, well, as, as we said, it's, it's a situation that's obviously constantly... Evolving, it's a disappointing situation, I suppose, if you're looking at it purely from a player's perspective. Obviously, there's there's plenty of families, I suppose, across Australia who haven't been able to reunite mm. with loved ones, so we should always factor that in and caveat that in with our discussions. But in this term, in this situation, obviously, if we're looking at the glory situation as an isolated standpoint, um, obviously, it's a... It's an issue where the rules are changing with the various states and and their regulations and the ways that they're approaching COVID. So something like this was always a possibility, I suppose. 
Um, and there is a requirement for clubs and for people to be malleable, but that flexibility also needs to to come from from the governments and and the state bodies and, and just that sort of little bit of an understanding. So, look, it's obviously a really tough one for the Glory players who have had to start the bulk of the start of this campaign, well, basically all of it bar round one on the road, um, a situation where they did have to leave uh, their families and, and friends behind with an element of uncertainty, it's fair to say, given that at that stage they were probably aware that the eastern states were going to open up in, in some way, shape or form. And unfortunately, it's panned out this way. And as we said in the introduction, hopefully a, a resolution can be found sooner rather than later for all concerned. Uh, absolutely. It does start to feel like this might be the new normal, though, and it's how we navigate this new normal. Um, there's, We've seen uh, the Premier League quite affected. We've seen a lot of American sports quite affected. Tommy, is it a matter of getting to the point that, yeah, we might have an ill player, we look after that ill player as best we can, we give that ill player as much support as we can and we let everyone else try and get on with it as best as they can? Is that the, is that the point that we've got to get to as far as continuing on, particularly domestic professional sports? I mean, obviously, I'm not a, a health mm. expert or a health professional, so I'm always somebody who is willing to trust the health advice and I'm sure that... Um, people within the the APL and and within and, and obviously the glory would have contacts to that and and obviously um, regarding the PFA as well I'm sure that they'd be across variable factors and at the end of the day Blaine all you can do is is trust the health advice and if they deem that um, a situation is okay where a player is is perhaps either allowed to play or maybe has to miss one game or has to miss a small period of time or has to return X amount of negative tests before they can integrate themselves back into the group, then then so be it. That's just a, a range of different examples, mm. of course. But obviously, this is a fluid situation. States are opening up with different rules at different times and with different sort of capacities, if, if that makes mm. sense. And, and different freedoms are, are sort of being unfolded and unearthed as a result. So it's going to be the same for a lot of sporting codes, not just the the A-League and and football, which is obviously what we're we're sort of more focused on here. But um, look, it's not just obviously sport, it's families as well. And and, and obviously the uncertainty at the moment is a trying thing, but all we can do is hope that um, the health advice allows people to be able to reunite and that we can get back to a sense of normality somewhat sooner rather than later. Yeah, I, I, I certainly agree. Um, and I, I certainly agree with what you say in regards to uh, following that health advice. Um, it is interesting, though, how we do navigate this next little period because the way that it's going and the numbers over there on the East Coast don't look particularly encouraging. I'm just having a bit of a look at an article now, which is right in front of me, that at least 10 Sydney Swans players from the AFL have tested positive for COVID after a pre-Christmas boat cruise. So it's not only the A-League, it's going to be rife across sport, but it's going to be rife across the community too by the looks of things. Yeah, and, and obviously we don't want to see enforced quarantines or enforced lockdowns um, or or bubbles or anything like that going forward. But um, especially with this new variant, again, we should caveat that this that we're not we're far from health experts, but we're mm. just sort of discussing things um, more broadly speaking in a, in, a, in an A League context. Is that uh, with this new variant, I think it's, there is an element of caution at the moment. We are still sort of coming to terms. Um, with the way that things are going to look. I think we all had an idea of how things 
would look coming out of Delta and there was elements of how we expected things to unfold. And now with Omicron um, seemingly around in Australia, it's going to shift again. And, and and as I mentioned in the introduction, we've just got to be malleable and, and um, that flexibility has got to work more than one way. When do we get to the point? Um, well, I guess, where do we put the line between the physical and mental well-being? Because what is happening and I think a lot of the angst and anxiety is coming out due to the, uh, I guess, inconsistent um, rules from jurisdiction to jurisdiction, which, of course, if these guys had been in somewhere else, in Sydney, for example, they'd be allowed to go and play, such as MacArthur and Sydney FC. Yeah, and, and, I, and I take your point, and I think it was something similar. Um, apologies if I'm incorrect here, mm. but with the Pat Cummins situation last week, if he wasn't in Adelaide and, and he had been in Victoria or in New South Wales, then he would have been able to play the second test. Mm. Um, so apologies if I am incorrect there somewhat. But um, look, it's just... I, again, I, I don't have the answers, Blaine. Those answers are obviously with the health experts and with the state governments and, yeah. and the leaders. Um, and, and unfortunately, we are all at the um, at their sort of at their sort of rules that they're setting, if that makes sense. And that's not just for sporting players, um, for their health and their and their mental well being, but it's obviously for people who haven't seen their family in mm. some cases for two years as well. Um, people who aren't able to reunite for Christmas, um, in some cases for a second year in a row. And, and unfortunately, it's a very difficult situation, but it's something that we've just got to muddle on through as best as possible. And um, with regards to competitions, I think it's just something, as you mentioned before, we've got to live with. But there has got to be a bit of understanding, a little bit of flexibility with it. Um, so long as, um, and I know this isn't the most important thing because obviously the health and the safety of the players is the most important thing first but I think when the integrity of the competition begins to be affected then that also adds another element of of um Oh, it, it just adds another element to the mixture of, of things that we're going to be starting to talk about because if certain teams have backlogs of games, mm. if certain teams are unable to fulfil fixtures, as we've seen in the UK, because uh, they don't have players because their squads are heavily depleted, then it's something that's also going to be problematic going forward. Of course, we did have to... Uh, well, well, we're supposed to be playing uh, Adelaide United this weekend over there in Adelaide. That was supposed to be the last of this full-on road trip, quote-unquote, that we were supposed to go on. Obviously, missing the game last week against Brisbane Raw. So we talk about a backlog. It's it's already there uh, now with two games that need to be made up. Uh, so, yeah, we'll wait and see what happens with that. So what we do know at this stage, and, uh, like, news has been kind of drip-feeding through throughout the week. We know that one player is positive. We know that at this stage there is no other players that have tested positive. The news today, I spoke to Tony Pinata on my own program on Sport FM today. They're working hard to try and get the guys um, back to Perth. There was a little bit of talk about some of the guys going to Sydney, uh, according to Tony Pinata today. He seems to think that majority of the players will come back to Perth because it might be the only opportunity they have to get back to Perth until that opening of borders actually happened. So this is a, it is an exception by pure meaning of the word. Um, so it looks like everyone's going to be coming back home. It will be possibly a seven day isolation throughout Christmas, which not ideal, but better than being in a hotel room and, and stuck by yourself with your own thoughts, which will drive you mad from time to time as they do mine uh, and having the family around. And I guess just um, 
doing the best that they can to get a bit of a sense of normality on, especially over the over the festive season. So yeah. that's what we know at this stage on, on, on Tuesday evening. We are going to take a break, though, because there's been plenty of people and plenty of empathy for the players that has come out, and not only from the Perth Glory fans, Tommy, but plenty of people have got involved uh, in a particular little gesture, I guess, that's been created by someone who we know very, very well. We'll chat about that right after the break here. You're listening to the Weekly Wrap presented by the Far Post Perth Podcast. If you're as passionate about the A-League as we are, you won't want to miss a second of this season's action. And the easiest, quickest and best way to catch every game from every angle is with the A-League Live app. Simply search A-League Live or Sportsmate in the Apple or Google Play stores. Yeah, welcome back to the Weekly Wrap. It's all presented by the Far Post Perth Podcasts. All presented by the A-League Live app by Sportsmate. Get around that one at the Google Play or the Apple Store. Always good to be able to keep up with live scores and the likes. It is a beauty. Well, we are talking before the break about this COVID situation that Perth Glory find themselves in. And uh, we did uh, mention that uh, there's been a little bit of a gesture that's been put forward to some of the players to try and get a little bit of a sense of normality, Tommy. And um, I guess the lady behind that, and uh, she's a very, very generous lady. She's very, very close to us here at the Far Post Perth. Donna Jeffrey, hello. Hello, guys. How are we? I am very, very good. We are very, very good. Um, tell us about um, what, what you're up to. Look, I think um, for those that know me know how important football is to me and in particular, I call it the football family. And, you know, for a lot of people, um, you all know that I'm a Melbourne Victory supporter, but above all, I love football and I love football in Australia, especially in WA. So, look, when I heard what happened um, with the lads over in Brisbane, I couldn't help but think to myself, um, you know, I'm in that situation in in the way that of, I can't get over to Melbourne to see my family and it's, you know, been almost a year and a bit before I'll see them again. Um, and, you know, it really home to me. I know that I get to see my family here, uh, my husband and my kids, uh, which is what not most um, have that opportunity to do now. But, you know, it really hit home to me. And I just wanted to do something to put a smile on their faces and, you know, hopefully make, you know, make a little bit of a difference for them. Donna, it's Tommy. Uh, what's the reaction been like from the people that you've been reaching out to? Uh, look, originally I was just going to do this myself and just get the boxes organised. Oh, sorry about that. Um, I'm, you know, I own my own grading business here, so I reached out to the people in Brisbane um, to see what I could do. And originally I was just going to do it, uh, working with um, Steve McGarry, just you know, trying to liaise with him and organise it. And then I thought to myself, you know what? We all know how passionate the Perth Glory faithful are over here and um, football fans in Oz. So I just put a tweet out there. And to tell you how proud I am for the Associated with Australian football would be an understatement. I mean, it's not just the Perth Glory supporters. I've had people from Brisbane, um, from Brisbane Raw um, supporters group, uh, Melbourne Victory, uh, Sydney, Adelaide, uh, all donate or, you know, do contributions um, towards these boxes for these guys. And uh, I'm just in complete awe. And I've had people from, you know, all walks um, send their wishes and ask me to you know, pass it on as well. So I'm just so proud. And 
you know, we closed off the contributions last night at 7 p.m. because obviously to organize everything, things need to be paid. Um, and we raised over $1,000 in, I did it in, well, in, we did it in less than 48 hours. Mm. So just go show you how powerful social media is and sport is to people. What sort of dialogue have you had from the Glory Donor? I, I know you've been reaching yeah. out to Tony Pinata on Twitter. What what sort of reception have you had from, from him and, yeah, and well, some of the other Glory people like Steve McGarry, who you said you spoke to? Yeah, look, um, Steve and I um, are really good friends. He does a lot of work um, for DTC as well. He's one of our ambassadors. And uh, Tony and myself have a really good relationship. Um, And, you know, I actually didn't put the tweet to him or anyone um, in particular at First Glory. Other people did, um, the likes of Lisa Devanner and um, others um, did that as well. Peter Falopoulos, they all, you know, tagged him in it. And then I spoke to Tony today and Tony has been so um, graceful as he always is and very appreciative. Uh, you know, as he said on the radio, I think we explained today, they're still finding a little bit of hope that they could be home for Christmas. Um, he's unsure of the situation. Uh, but I know that Brisbane changed their rules as of midnight tonight for the 22nd. So, um, you know, it could really help the guys. Hopefully, if they can get out, I mean, they'll have, actually have freedom and won't have to quarantine um, over there in Brisbane. I mean, not here, obviously, you can't get in at the moment. <laughs> so, um, he's been fantastic as always. Everyone at Glory has. Steve um, is just he's such a beautiful guy and he said that, you know, they've got a a really good morale. Trying, He's trying to keep the morale up within the team. You know, they have their group chats and I don't know if you've been following Sturridge's um, singing journey. He's writing songs, but he's mm-hmm. quite funny. Um, he's actually a really good singer. So, you know, they're just trying to find ways to keep these guys going, especially the younger ones and the ones that have families over here. So the support has been great. Yeah. And in terms of the operation that this sort of takes as well, Donna, to create all of these grazing boards, can you give us a little bit of an insight into into what sort of goodies the players might be receiving? Yeah. And obviously how, how much food is going to sort of get put together for it all? Yeah, look, it's um, I do it over here and it's so time-consuming. I mean, I have, God, I don't have any orders. I can say I think uh, 20 almost for Thursdays, um, ready for Christmas Eve and Christmas. Um, and on the one-man band. And so the um, young lady named Joni that I've reached out to, she's a small business that I was recommended to contact over in Brisbane. Um, you know, grazing boxes, uh, you know, you get cheeses, you get your fruits, you get your um, cold meats, like, you know, your salamis and whatnot, your crackers, some bread, some dip. Um, you know, just some Christmas cheer, you know, really good quality food. Um, you know, probably stuff that's not normally in their diet, I'm sure. Uh, but, you know, it's something that resonates to me. Obviously, I do it here and um, it's, what you know resonates to my family and what makes us happy and then hopefully you know if the boys are out then amazing we'll have a bit of um you know a bit of funds left over uh, that we can use for when they get here send a few care packages out to the kids um there's not much but there is you know something we can work with otherwise if they are still in lockdown um or quarantine i should say then we will have some seafood and fresh hands and stuff delivered to them on Christmas Eve as well. So we're just waiting to see what happens on Christmas Eve. However, tomorrow um, at 10.30am, they'll all receive their individual boxes um, to all 33 rooms um, that are there. So everyone gets their own nicely labelled um, that they can share, you know, that they can have and probably get a video of them all sharing it together on the Zoom chat. Donna, have you had to consult the uh, the health and conditioning guys and make sure this uh, this food's not oh, going to make them all come yeah. back into season oh, uh, five kilos overweight? No, I've done absolutely none of that. I've not, <laughs> not spoken to the um, uh, health and conditioning team. I think they will take everything that they can. 
Um, they, are, uh, you know, Stevie is very excited to receive it, and I'm sure the players will absolutely devour it and enjoy it. Um, anything's better than the food that I'm sure that they're getting delivered in quarantine. You know, it's a bit logistical um, dealing with the hotels, um, as they are a pure, um, they're just a quarantine mm. facility, so they don't have actually kitchen facilities there. Um, so just dealing with them and all the health protocols and the fact that you know each player and staff member is in individual rooms, so everything has to be named, labelled correctly, um, delivered with gloves on and everything like that that uh, COVID has presented for us. But, you know, it's been great. Um, I love doing things for people, you know. Uh, I want to make sure that you they have a smile on their faces and at the end of the day they're not just footballers, they're human beings as well, so they deserve... That, that happiness and respect as well from you know from everyone because they just want to do what they love and unfortunately they can't do it at the moment. Mm. Uh, one thing that um, has been kind of brought up, I guess, but not as prominently, and it's probably an area that we we, we forget about uh, unconsciously, and that's the families, particularly the families yeah. uh, with those coming from uh, from foreign countries um, that may be in a little bit of a foreign, well, they are in a foreign country themselves with un- unfamiliar surroundings. They may not have the support network of of family and friends to deal with the children and the and the and the likes. Have we had any contact with them and seeing how they've been ticking over? Yeah, so I um, made contact with um, a couple of the wives here that, that I know um, and just wanted to check in. Uh, the plan was originally that I was going to try to get out to the families here that you know don't have much support and um, deliver a box of the Christmas Eve. Um, but logistically, it, you know, we can't do that at the moment. So the plan is once the players are back, um, just have something small, um, you know, individually, uh, you know, sent to either the club or whatnot for the, particularly the kids, you know, they don't get mm. to see their, um, their dads over this period. It's a very tough time for them. Um, but we've definitely been, I've, you know, I've made the effort to keep in contact. I think it's really, really important, um, you know, for mental health and whatnot. And you don't want them to be alone over here. There's nothing worse than being alone in a different country or a different city. Um, I know from when I moved here at the start, and it was very tough, um, even though I had the football, uh, community here, um, it was always very tough not having my own family here, and they were just a state away from me a few hours on the plane. So some people it's a completely different country. So you know we need to keep that in mind as well. And I just hope I'm, I'm sure um, that the club has offered support to these people, um, and that we continuously show support to them because it's not just, as you said, not just the players; there's families involved as well. Donna, give a bit of a shout out to your own business, but also the businesses <laughs> over in in Brisbane that have been uh, helping yeah. you out. We'll give them a bit of a plug. Yeah, awesome. So I own um, Grazing Magic over here, so I do grazing boxes. Um, It's been amazing um, how quickly it's grown over the last six months since my launch. Um, But also to Jonas from um, Grazing Jonas, she's unbelievable. And also an ex, um, I believe, uh, W League player, um, Alicia Canavaris. She lives in Queensland. She's very close to um, Lisa Devanna as well. Uh, Paris Perth Glory gave her her break um, back in 2016, I believe, wow. um, I think, or sometime earlier than that. And she has rallied the apparently the Brisbane Greek community. Um, is the exact word she told me to say. Um, who likes football and don't care who you play for. And um, like, let's be honest, how expensive seafood and whatnot is. And she's worked, they've worked well, living an amazing budget and had a lot of items donated for the guys. And hopefully, you know, I... I would love for them to enjoy that on Friday, but if they don't, it means they're either coming home or they're out of quarantine and actually can play football. So I think I'd rather that. But if they can't, then they'll definitely enjoy something amazing from them. So I really appreciate it, um, all the help that they gave me. But also, I just want to quickly say thank you to everyone who um, sent in funds and well wishes. I mean, it's been... 
it's been amazing. And um, it just goes to show, you know, I've had people tell me they were going to buy in the way jersey for their team this year, but they decided to help these, you know, put a smile on these guys' faces. So that just completely resonated with me and just goes to show the, the Christmas spirit is well and truly alive in 2021. Thanks for jumping on at quick notice. Um, keep up the great work and we are going to chat with you very, very soon. No, no worries at all, John Jeffrey. There, part of our team here, Tommy, at uh, the Far Post Perth, and doing big, big things out of the, I guess, the goodness of our own heart as well. Absolutely magnificent job, really. When you when you think of, um, that's why I was intrigued about the operational side of it, all the bits and pieces, all the work that goes mm. into organising something like this. It's uh, it's definitely something that deserves a, a big round of applause, yep. even if it's just um, something that gives gives the players and the staff that little bit of. A little bit of joy, especially at this time of year when they are facing up to a potentially difficult and, situation. And football fans on the other side of the country, just jump in and help out. How good is it? Football's universal language, Blaine. It is. It's it brilliant. is. It is very much so. Hey, mate, let's get into uh, the other matches because we will go through that uh, while we're here on the pod. Uh, the last one for 2021, a big game over the weekend, but... That is the Melbourne Derby. We'll get to that very, very shortly because that's the one that you just pointed out to me on the uh, on the sheet there. But we should have asked Donna about that one, Blaine. Yeah, we should have. We missed that. We missed that, didn't we? Oh well, we're too busy giving her a plug about uh, all her good work, so we might let her off. We probably would have brought up the three 0 to be fair, wouldn't we? So we wouldn't have spoken about <laughs> Melbourne Derby that much. Let's go all the way back to uh, Friday night, Western United against Adelaide United. It was a one nil result. Connor Payne on the score sheet, forty four minutes, great time to score, just before half time, Tommy and uh, Adelaide are losing a Cassini Yangi in that match as well. There wasn't any real way back for him. Back-to-back goals for Connor Payne now mm. as well. So um, it's much of the same, isn't it? 1-0 to Western United. Four weeks in a row now, four clean sheets, five goals in their five games that they've played uh, across the first five weeks of the season. So, I mean, you're not watching an, an entertaining spectacle if you're watching Western United. But what you are seeing, Blaine, is you're seeing a team who are clearly well-organised and well-coached. Yep. And, and I'm sure John Aloisi doesn't care one bit. I mean... At the risk of repeating what I've said on previous podcasts, points on the board at this stage of the season when teams such as Western Sydney, Sydney, um, Adelaide, Brisbane, and you're going to have Glory and Wellington who are obviously playing away from home at the moment as well, while those teams are still trying to figure themselves out, those points are invaluable at this stage of the season. It really looks as though they've got a good jump. And I mean, we'll come on to the Melbourne Derby in a bit, but... Western United are playing Melbourne Victory this weekend. It's a second versus third game. And if they can get the three points in that one and avenge their round one defeat to the same opponents, then they're really going to cement their top two status going into the uh, longer weeks of the season. Yeah, I don't know if Western United can deal with, say, someone like a big front half like Melbourne City or Melbourne Victory have, though. In terms of size? or No, in terms of just pure numbers that can get on that score sheet. I mean, Lacroix and um, and oh god, I've, goodness me, I've forgotten the name of the player already. Um, Am I? Am yeah, I? Yeah, yeah. Um, those those two have just been hitting the ball away for fun, and and they've looked really comfortable at the back. And I think Nikolai Topol Stanley came in at left back at the weekend and and did a pretty solid job. I mean, you know what you're going to get with Topol Stanley, an experienced campaigner who's been around the traps. Risden for me is still one of the best fullbacks in the competition. I still think he's he's semi underrated, actually, all things considered. So 
Um, yeah, I, I think they're solid enough, and they've got enough experience with Lustiger and Kilkenny in midfield. So I actually think that Western United have certainly got the pieces in that team to go deep into the season and, and to do fairly well. And, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they fare against the better opposition. I do agree with you, Blaine, but they've certainly set themselves up well in the opening weeks of the season. Uh, the As I said, um, the big issue was losing Cassini Yengi. Uh, looks to be done for the season. Um, big blow. A huge blow. Uh, talking about bringing in, I think, was it, was it Gabriel G- Valentini? Was that the name of the boy that used to be at Perth Glory? And Stefan Valentini. Stefan Valentini, sorry, wrong one. Um, there's talk about his name popping up. There's also talk about a player who we know very, very well here in Perth, and his name is Diego Castro, going to Adelaide possibly in January. That's the rumour. I mean, it would add to the catalogue of ageing Spaniards that they've got in there. team one day. Yeah, Um Look, I mean, I've not seen a massive amount of substance in terms of the Castro talk. I've only seen rumours to date, and so we'll probably should wait until there's a little bit more um, substance in terms of that rumour. Um, but Yangi's a massive blow. Valentini actually played um, for the glory in pre-season against the WA State team at Persidor Reserve as a trialist, in and that then game. he went over to Avondale. Did yeah, he? I think he's, yeah, I think he. I think he. Well, I think he was from Victoria, and then he, he came oh, back sure. to trial, and then he's he's gone back again. Um, they need somebody up front, though, though, don't they? Adelaide. We spoke about it mm. briefly last week. They were never really threatening in that game. Um, we hinted at the worries about them that week, and maybe that change in midfield was probably needed for a bit more energy. And we, we sort of spoke about maybe Isaias dropping out and playing someone like Cavallo in there who's mm. maybe just got a bit more energy. But they went the complete opposite way and they played one day in midfield next to Isaias in that deep role. So, um, I mean, given the combined age of those two is about 500, I mean, it's um, it's not really something that's given them a bit of zip um, as we probably speculated they needed. Um, but they're struggling for goals at the moment. Um, maybe... Uh, Valentini or, or Castro, oh, heaven forbid, if, as you pointed out, Blaine could help on that. But, um, yeah, it's it's certainly it's certainly a, a worrying thing for Adelaide, I think, that they're not quite finding the back of the net. Mm. Yeah, uh, disappointing, disappointing. Let's move on to Saturday's games. Um, there was also, let's get to, we'll get to this one first. Uh, Central Coast 2, Western Sydney nil. Now, we've talked about this a couple of weeks in a row now. How long does this go on with Carl Robinson? It's looking like a matter of when, mm. not if, doesn't it now, Blaine? Um, the talk has been... The noises have just been lifting in volume over the past couple of weeks. And as I said before, I, I don't like to speak about jobs of managers and, and whether we think they should be there or not because it is a, a difficult job. But, I mean, when... Carl Robinson was in the press conference at the weekend. I think it was Don Bossy from the Sydney Morning Herald, Correct. if I'm not mistaken, yep. who asked him a question about why something to do with the chance creation and taking mm. chances from memory. And, and and he essentially answered that he didn't know. Now, to me, that's a real red flag. And, and, and it's that sort of answer, which... I it mean, when, you're clueless, basically. I mean, when you sort of... Uh, I, I don't know what the fans feel about 
Robinson, I'm not as close to the Wanderers they, hardcores. Uh, yeah, they want him gone. As, as, well, if they you, want him if gone. You've got that intel. Yeah, yeah, I mean that that doesn't sort of help things at all. Um, look, we've we've done the Wanderers quite a bit in recent weeks, but as I said before, it seems to be a matter of when, not if. And I mean, this week they're playing the Jets, mm. who are Robinson Robinson's old team. So. I mean, if they were to lose that, wouldn't that be a dagger for him against his his former side? Um, you'd have to think that the chances are are running out, and it's not really been a good period for the Wanderers after their FFA Cup um, elimination, and and obviously as well, there's been some matters off the pitch as well, which have sort of come to light with after tweets from. Patrick Zwanzweig and Dean Heffernan as well. I I'm think just, you've got a bit more information on that, I'm just going to go through those. So this is in response to an excerpt that um, on that video that you just suggested when um, the journalist did ask Carl Robinson, he said, I'm not sure. And is it, the true answer is, I'm not sure, is the uh, quotation that comes there. Uh, former A-League and W-League head coach Dean Heffernan Vented on social media. This is through the Keep Up site. He says, I can tell you, Carl, it's because JT, in reference to John Setsamas and Gavin Costello, General Manager of Football Operations, have created the most toxic environment I've seen in 20 years of football. Paul Lederer wouldn't be aware of what goes on. How can 60-odd players and four coaches over five years be wrong? I rejected a three-year due to the above. It's pretty damning. I don't think we need to elaborate on those those quotes too much. Um, I mean, it's it's kind, it's very strong. Um, look, I'm I'd like to think that from a wonder if you're a Wanderers fan that you'd be hoping some sort of internal review would be be currently happening in in one way, shape, or form, and that the the crux of these and that any um, obviously responses to these um, tweets could be sort of found and, and and answered to, but it certainly doesn't paint things that are happening there in a good light on the face of those tweets. It went on to say in later tweets, it's not the players. This has been happening for years now. Most former players that walk in say there is something not uh, something not right here anymore. It is an energy and you feel it. You can smell it from the car park. It slowly seeps into you without even knowing. It starts to get a bit deep, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I, I don't really know what to add to that. It's it's super strong, that's for sure. Let's go into a reference in there. Paul Lederer, who plays a big role in terms of the A-Leagues and the APL. He is, of course, part of the – or in a senior position uh, as part of the Wanderers. Is Does this get to the point now that he goes, all right, I focus on the Wanderers or I focus on the APL? Similar to what Danny Townsend's done in walking away from the Sydney FC – job to concentrate on the APL? Um, that's a hard one to answer. I think you leave yourself open to potential conflicts of interest or questions mm, being absolutely. asked if you, mm. if you do remain in both positions. I, I think what Danny Townsend's done is probably that the smart thing to do. It, it, it sort of keeps both things separate in that respect and, and, and possibly that's something that maybe Paul Edder will have to look at as well. If he if he deems if he deems that that's the right way to go or maybe he's he, he feels he's capable of, of doing both roles, we'll have to wait and see. Sydney, uh, Western Sydney haven't made the final since 2017. They're probably one of the self-proclaimed bigger clubs in the uh, A-League. Is this what happens when you don't have any consequences for dismal seasons? Uh yeah, 
Well, it does. Is um, it, 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 and I'm referring to in the fact that it's it's let to to fester and yeah. and and continue on without anyone nipping it in the bud and saying, "All right, we need a clean out here." Well, it's it's not a, Robinson um, for the criticism that we've sort of um, given him. Uh, it should be said to be if we're being fair to him that Marcus Babylon and Josip Gombau before him also had issues. Um, at the Wanderers. So it's clearly something that runs a little bit deeper than just Robinson himself. Unfortunately, um, as you know, this is just how football works, Blaine. Mm. If the performances on the pitch aren't working, it's often the manager that carries the can or the head coach that carries the can for for everything that sort of happens. And that's usually the easiest change to make. Um, but as I touched on before, you'd like to think that if you were a Wanderers fan and you were looking at this from the outside in, that there'd be some pretty firm review action happening at the moment and the, a resolution would be found. And, yeah, you'd have to think um, from from Robinson's perspective that, I mean, every game's a must-win now. Um, he obviously had the 2-0 defeats, the Mariners at the weekend, the Jets at the weekend, his former club. Just makes you wonder how much longer this can go on for. Mm. Uh, Melbourne Derby, 2-2. Two, two. This was a beauty, Tommy. I was watching this on my phone. I was out and about... Um, uh, celebrating uh, my beautiful girlfriend's birthday. So I had to be there and I couldn't sit, I'd sit on the couch. I would have got a slap. But, hey, I was checking the, the score and checking the atmosphere and everything else like that. It was a beauty. Did the did the Mrs. C checking the phone while... Just, uh... oh, I'm good. I'll do it very, very inconspicuously. <laughs> well, you can't be blame blame because it was a pretty good game. I mean, it's one of the flagship matchups of mm. the competition, isn't it, really? I mean, that and the Sydney derby. I mean, there's... The thing I like about these games is... There's always incident and there's also narrative as well. And I don't think that's something that we have enough of in, in Australian football. We like those we kind of like these storylines and these narratives and we like to pick apart these rivalries a little bit and we do like to see it on the free to air te- television. Absolutely. With the with the fans and the atmosphere mm. and that little bit of goading from from the crowd in in, in obviously ways that that are oh, friendly is the wrong word, but obviously ways that don't sort of cross the line. So th- this is obviously a game that most people who are fans of the A-League will probably go out of their way to watch mm. and most more weeks than one. And it certainly didn't sort of um, let anybody down, that's for sure. I mean, we spoke about City last week and whether there'd be changes made. It was interesting to see Atkinson come into the team and have a really good game, I think. And Tilio as well was the other one who we sort of spruiked a little bit in previous weeks and and he had a bit of an impact as well. So, look, to be fair to City, they made the changes and they clearly had a bit of a response of sorts. Um, in terms of victory, I mean, I mean, the reality with these teams is Blaine. I mean, the, the two-all draw was a good game. It was an entertaining game. Did we really learn that much about either team? Um, any more than we thought we already knew? Probably not. Mm. I think all that we know is that the top four, um, if you include those two teams and Western United and MacArthur, it's looking pretty strong already. Those two teams in the derby are going to be involved at the business end of the campaign, and that's kind of where we sort of go on from there with, really, I think. Yeah. No, I thought it was a fantastic game. Uh, this is why I get a little bit annoyed and things when they, there's new franchises come in with... I mean, let me give you an example. You could bring in Wollongong tomorrow and that history with Perth and Wollongong would continue on. You could bring in South Melbourne tomorrow and they would automatically have a rivalry with... Yeah, you don't have to manufacture it. It's there. 
this is what people get annoyed with because you have essentially you have a rivalry that's bang as soon as they get going. Tell me who cares about going to West United or MacArthur for that matter. Well, I mean, they're, they're the top two teams in the league at the moment. So you, you'd think that given their starts to the campaign, if they aren't getting fans, what happens um, if we get their, those, what happens grounds, if we get those two in a grand final? Uh, it'd be an interesting occasion, that's for sure. I mean, I'm, I'm sure the, the I'm sure the football match would be a pretty good one, given that the, the quality of players on the pitch. But would it be the spectacle that we sort of crave? Look, the, the way that we. The way that football is in Australia, where we have the final series and the grand final, mm. the grand final kind of demands a bells and whistles, atmospheric, loud, really big occasion that's visual on the eye for television. Rightly or wrongly, mm. that's just the status of the mm. competition. Yeah, whether, sure. whether you believe in the finals or just a regular season, that's just how it is. Um questions would be asked as to where the game would be played and whether the the, the neutrals would go out and support that game if it was held at, I don't know, a, a Geelong or whether it was held at a Campbelltown. That's, that would be the interesting thing and whether you'd get, you, you wouldn't, I don't know, you'd get your Sydney FC fans or your Melbourne Victory fans to that game, would you blame? Not at all. Not at all. They wouldn't, wouldn't even bother watching on TV. No, and that's, but that's but that's the sort of the crux of the matter. I mean, if you have if you've got the FA Cup in England, for example, neutrals would sometimes go to that sure. game. Sure, and, and I mean you could say that about the AFL Grand Final as well. That it's a spectacle. It's an occasion. Well, what kind of spectacle or occasion are we going to have between Western United and Macarthur when each of them has got a supporter base of probably less than five thousand? And I think to your point, what you touched on before, Blaine, is I think a lot of people were sort of disengaged by the selection of those clubs uh, for various reasons at the very beginning. So there is already that sort of you've sort of started at a low base where there's that degree of the condescending sort of attitude from other clubs that that they that they that the makeup of the team and the whole sort of prophecy of their entry into the league mm. was was built on a sort of financial um input rather than a, a, oh, a, a holistic approach perhaps yeah no i think you've, you've 100 hit the nail on the head and you could probably put it into terms if greater western sydney was to play gold coast suns in the afl grand final tell me someone who would be truly interested outside of melbourne in going to that i don't think anyone yeah it's look it's it's a tricky one i i think for me at the moment the thing that's saving both of these teams at the moment is their positions in the league table. I think so long as Western United and MacArthur are mm. still one and two in the standings, that may change as the season progresses, of course, and both Melbourne teams may catch up or Sydney FC may make a surge or one of the other teams may may sort of get a winning run on together. A, a little bit of that noise dissipates a little bit while the football's good, Blaine. Um, but as you pointed out, those conversations are going to grow and grow as the season rolls on further. I just wanted to bring up one more point sure. from this Melbourne derby because I've been peddling this for the last two weeks. Yeah, go on. And I think you know where I'm going with this, Blaine. The late red card to Jamie McLaren, which I believe the, the, the card was shown for language. Yep, yep. And we, we went through this with Harvey Lopez and we went through it again with uh, Jason Davison. And... I've been calling for this for weeks. Yep, and it, it happened. He's got, he's got a one-game ban, and mm-hmm. hopefully that deters players from doing it again. Mm. Now, I don't know what was said. I don't know what language was used, but clearly the referee felt it was necessarily enough to send off Jamie McLaren. 
Um, I'm not sure what McLaren's response has been, whether he has come out and apologised. I didn't see him, this. But- I didn't see this particular incident. As I said, I was out and about. Uh, did he go after the ref? I didn't see. No, or was I, I it or was it a, a a bit of a fu as he kind of walked off and you you you're whatever whatever it was the referee deemed that it was appropriate to send him off because if you can go back and have a bit of a look at Jason Davidson and Harvey Lopez they went up and got in the face of the more ref. demonstrable exactly yeah I, I don't even know if the footage was there on on McLaren Do you- I, I've got to go back and have another look yeah I've got to go back and have another look as I said I didn't see that particular incident. So we'll have to, uh, yeah, we're not sure about that. But, hey, uh, you called for it, uh, and, yeah, if that's what you want, then uh, that's what you got across the weekend. Tell if, me, if they, it, list, they listen to the podcast. If it acts as a deterrent to other players doing it and for and for referees to command um, that little bit more respect, there already is enough of a shortage of referees. They already cop yeah. dogs abuse at, at local level. And the amount of work and the amount of assi- assessment that they have to go through to get to a point where... Uh, they are refereeing at what's deemed to be the top level of of Australian football is is already quite high. And Mm. for them to then have to get to that level and then cop the abuse they do, whether they make mistakes or not, it's still not something that we should be encouraging. And any, any opportunity to stamp it out is welcome for me. Tommy, two games on the Sunday, the first of those MacArthur. We spoke about MacArthur possibly making a little bit of a grand final run. They're certainly sitting high and mighty at the moment, but, uh, Newcastle probably should have got the uh, got the chocolates in this one. Yeah, it was a it was a bad week for us playing, wasn't it? Uh, the big fans of the Newcastle Jets uh, fan club that we are, uh, the way they've played football the opening week of the season. And, and like you said, it was a bit of a smash and grab from MacArthur mm. who have been really efficient all season long and, and nothing changed really. I mean, they went down to 10 and it, they certainly had to hang on there for a period of time. Great goal from Mikkel Tadzi opening the scoring and then... Um, uh, Danny De Silva with the goal after that, and then Meredith with the eventual winner. I mean, Danny De Silva's performances of late have been really encouraging, and we've seen flashes from him previously over the years. But if he can become a little bit more consistent, then then watch out. If no one's there to see him, though, does it happen? Is that a dig on them playing at Campbelltown? Playing? Yeah, just a little bit of one on a, on a cow paddock, which is ironic considering they are the Bulls. That was a terrible pitch. And uh, great, great technique from Danny De Silva, though, for that goal. It was a nice little volley. Are we giving them enough credit, Blaine? MacArthur, they're top of the league. They're unbeaten after five games. Are we are we giving them too much credit, not enough credit, or have we just about marked them right so far in the first five? No, I think... Well, Neil Sherwin would be pretty happy because he picked them. He said they're going to go one or two ways. He said they're going to be top of the pops or they're going to... Uh, obviously, with this bit of a uh, off-field drama that happens with losing a couple of players heading into the season, then they could kind of flop. So they're gone up, up to the top of the pops. And it's a good team they've got on paper as well. They're certainly a team who've got the talent to go deeper into the season. And as for the Jets, I mean, the numbers were there. The performance was good enough. We've praised the Jets already, so we don't need to go t- too deep on them. But I think the path that they're on is fine, and they're going to be okay going forward with the Wanderers ahead this weekend, of course. Let's get on to the last game of the A-League. Uh, Sydney 2, Wellington Phoenix 1. Well, this was one that we said was going to go either way, Tommy. This was going to be where one of them starts to head up and the other one starts to head out. Wellington Phoenix look like they're going to start to struggle now. 
Um, that's just looking like it's going to be. I thought that would be the way they did. Work. They were very brave in the early rounds, but uh, I, I really can't see them starting to go on with it, particularly when borders start opening up. They have to start moving out into other states. They've probably been quite comfortable, as many other sides would have been uh, in their, you know, quote-unquote, home states because there hasn't been that movement outside or too much movement outside of the home states. And I think this is where it might start getting a little bit tricky. Uh, five matches played, one win, one loss. Uh, sorry, one draw, three losses. Um, negative six goal difference. Um, it might be where, the, where it starts to kick in for Wellington as far as their difficult season goes. I have a lot of sympathy for Wellington. I'm I'm reluctant to be too hard on them, given their squad losses. Mm. Obviously, the situation they find themselves in with playing out of Wollongong, and and obviously, as we we've spoken about the glory and how they're looking like they're gonna they're in a situation where they could be away from family over Christmas and year. It should be said that Wellington are, are likely in that situation as well, where where they're they're away from. From from um, from people in New Zealand as well, mm. possibly. No, absolutely. So yeah. I'm reluctant to go on, in on them too hard, but three losses in a row now, as you say, Blaine. Um, it, it's a tough one. I think this there's not too much here to say in this game, other than it was two out of form teams who both desperately needed three points to sort of ignite their season. Sydney maybe with the slightly better players on paper. Um, and they probably had that class edge when it counted. Wellington weren't terrible in that game. They got towed up by the Jets. They were unlucky against the Wanderers. They've got uh, the Mariners, Adelaide and Brisbane their next three games. I think we'll learn a little bit more about whether they can boost themselves up the table. New signing today, though, Gail Sandoven uh, from League Remex on loan from Guadalajara. Yep. Um, attacking midfield player. And by all accounts, it was Ulysses de Villa who gave him a ringing endorsement on, yeah. on the Phoenix. So hopefully he comes over. and I believe he's a, a number 10. So hopefully he can add a little bit of creativity to that team as well and, and get them moving. Uh, let's uh, wrap things up, Tommy, because we thought this might be a bit of a shorter and sharper one, but we've still ended up going almost 50 minutes to today. So uh, we will get into the women's fixtures, which were updated just this week. There will be no Perth Glory women's games for this foreseeable future. Um, this goes all the way through until... Wednesday, the 2nd of March, looks to be the next home game for Alexa Parkas' side. So he did say, look, this break is coming at a, at a little bit of a good time. There's a few niggles in the camp. There are a little bit, there's a few things to work on. Um, he wasn't too phased about it. They're going to make and try and make good out of this a bit of a tricky situation. So at the moment, it looks like uh, the first of uh, the new year will be Adelaide United against Glory. That is a good opportunity for them to actually pick up another three points and possibly go three wins in a row. Adelaide United sitting down the, the bottom end um, after three after two rounds. So not a bad um, a shot at it there. They'll then go and play these home games, which will be actually played away. Canberra United, uh, they'll play over in Canberra. Sydney FC, they'll play at Leichhardt. Newcastle, they'll play up in Newcastle. Uh, Western Sydney Wanderers and Wellington Phoenix, they'll be playing away. So uh, what do you reckon? I mean, it's it's not ideal. Obviously, that's that's the first thing to be having to to go away from home and play mm. a slate of games on the road. That's not ideal, particularly after getting two wins in a row in your first two games when you're looking to build momentum. I think it, the ultimately the key thing is going to be how they respond coming off this break that they're going to have had. Sure. Really, 
if if the rest does them good and it's allowed Alex to work on a couple of things on the training pitch perhaps and maybe to get some tactical messaging across to some of the young players in particular who are still trying to find their their way into the game and they they really sort of hit the ground running after that break then that's something that can be a real positive for them if it takes them a little while to get into their groove and they may be um, a little bit lethargic or maybe not quite up to speed then it could work the other way as well but as we sort of said with the men's teams when you're on that away run it's all about just trying to get those points on the board where possible and if Glory can sort of get to a position where they play four or five six games on the road however many it is and then they've got a few home games in a row in the back end of the season in February fingers crossed then hopefully it sets them up to have a real tilt at finals well I'm having a bit of a look at this and I'm not sure if this is just the amended fixtures or whether it is the the full fixtures but according to this there is no game in February it is all January and then into March so um, Macedonia Park in March there I, I think yeah March none, none in February I think there's there's still 14 rounds, isn't there? So, uh, yeah, these must be what I'm looking at here must be the amended fixtures. I think I think the fixture you might have in front of you there, Blaine's, covers round five to round nine, if I'm not mistaken. And then there's obviously uh, five more rounds to come after that, I believe. Three till nine this covers. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll have a look at a little bit further into it anyway. But what we do know is it's going to be very, very disrupted. Uh, mate, that's just about all we've got time for. Anything else to go through as we wrap up for the Christmas break? No, nah, I think that's pretty much it, Blaine. Very, very good. Very, very good, mate. I uh, appreciated all your uh, assistance and everything uh over the last month or so. Very, very good. No worries. Have a good Christmas and New Year, Blaine. You too. We'll see you on the flip side. Yep, we will too. Uh, don't forget, check us out on the socials. You can, we'll be keeping that all up to date across the uh, across the Christmas and New Year break. Make sure you check out the Patreon. We'd love to have you on board as a supporter. Uh, simply go to patreon.com forward slash the far post Perth and you can jump on board. Any donation is, of course, uh, appreciated. And, uh, yeah, we'll hopefully in the uh, not-too-distant future start to bring out some exclusive content for our, uh, our patrons. So, um who are, who are jumping on board and uh, helping us out. Uh, don't forget to check out the A-League Live app. Big thanks to everyone at Sportsmate for all of their support. They do a wonderful uh, job in uh, getting the word out there about the Far Post Perth, Tommy. So, uh, no, very, very good. Thank you to uh, Neil and Donna, yourself, everyone else who listens, and uh, we look forward to catching you in the new year. Till then, enjoy your football. <laughs>